Back after a two-week hiatus, here we are with uh, what I'm calling the Brett Favre episode, number four, of course, but we're also dealing with some severe injuries on this front, fighting through some spring allergies. It's Andrew Callahan, it's John Fitz, Line 24-7, back in the Lions 24-7 podcast. You haven't stopped shaking your head since I said Brett Favre. Can we, can we go on with the pot? These are not allergies. These are me reacting to the Brett Favre joke. That was a great way to start it off. But yeah, anyway, after one week hiatus, by the way. I mean, way. clearly they missed us, so they're going to deal with a lot uh, right. here in the opening minute. We'll see how long it goes in the next couple of minutes. But nonetheless, it, it, <laughs> it's good to be back. Uh, we each had a chunk of the coach's caravan to cover, so being on the road, we figured it'd be best to recap once that was all done. Um, had some recent recruiting news. Going to get to all of that in the coming minutes. But first, uh, I posted a column over the weekend that I had been working on actually for the better part of a month. Um, not every day or not really, you know, sit down to, to write a whole lot of it. But nonetheless, you know, really formulate my thoughts on Nick Scott. Because to me at this point, I've arrived at a stage where I think he is going to win um, the safety position battle. Supposedly right now it's a deadlock. And you can go on and read the column, of course, we'd encourage that. But for me, he's a guy who's got the complete package, just needs the reps. And now that he's getting those reps, I think the fact that he is in contention, you know, should mean that he'll go further than the other guys who might be more experienced next to him. Well, he came in as a football player, uh, and it's sort of a cliche to say that, but he was really a guy that could play a bunch of different spots in high school. You saw he was a running back, but maybe not a true running back in that sense. So a switch to defense really wasn't a surprise when it happened. Moved him out to corner. He was okay there, probably not that great, but moved over to safety, and I think that's really helped him. Uh, Tim Banks said earlier this spring, sort of in the offseason, sort of a switch came on. So you'd love to hear that, and once again, we get back into those cliches, but you'd love to hear that about Nick Scott because he's just a guy who's shown on special teams that he can go out there, make a difference. He can hit. He's not going to shy away from anyone. He's got the athleticism to cover. I think he's a a pretty good compliment to Marcus Allen back there. And he is, and and people always highlight the athleticism for the same reason you mentioned you know he came in as an athlete a guy who could really do it all but it's funny because when you compare the safeties you know reportedly Troy Apke is still the fastest in straight line out of all of them he's also the most experienced having played both safety spots uh, from a year ago but for me you know as much as Apke seemed to be a natural replacement there you plug him in you know if indeed it is true that it's kind of a deadlock position right now that's where I kind of lean towards Scott because you know it's not just the athleticism piece it's that in a year last year where he's picking up the position now in the offseason, supposedly had the best out of any player on the team. Now he gets to carry that forward. I think he's got every reason in the world to, you know, be able to step into a starting role at the latest, you know, in early September, late September. Yeah, physically those guys are there. I mean, not only Nick Scott, but also Aaron Monroe. Yeah. Troy Apke is an underrated athlete, going back to the stereotypes and things like that. Oh, yeah. He, he, he's a very good athlete as well. So they've got athleticism to, put, to, to pin in there. But Malik Golden played so much football last year that it was tough to get those guys the reps they needed. I, I personally think Apke, if, you, if you're going to line him up right now, Apke's probably the guy in front right now just based on his experience because it, it is so valued by this coaching staff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it could get to August and I could see any one of those three guys being in there. In the- For sure. And you know, when you mentioned Golden, this was what kind of first piqued my interest again going a little bit more inside this column that I posted over the weekend is that he mentioned after Pro Day that he thinks Nick Scott could have a dominant career. Now, obviously, he's going to say nice things about a guy who he took under his wing last season. Good teammate, good guy. But that, to me, said a lot. Because not only was Scott bringing athleticism to the position, but back at high school, was recruited by places like West Virginia and Alabama to perhaps be a DB. So now he was returning to a place where now, these days, he's speaking like, I feel like I've been a defensive player all along. Again, take it for a grain of salt. But Golden saying things like that, Brent Pry mentioning he's going to play a lot of football for us defensively. James Franklin's been very pleased with him. Banks as well. So it's a heated competition. Like I said, you know, multiple times, I think he's just going to inch out in front. But it wouldn't be a surprise if Apke did hold that job early 
early in the season because they're looking for consistency there. And Aaron Moreau, another guy who's supposedly kind of putting it all together, um, now entering as Richard sophomore. Yeah, and when I talked to Tim Banks uh, before the spring, he mentioned you, you can win, win reps at safety on special teams. And, yeah. and Nick Scott's been one of their best special teams player, if not their best special teams coverage guy over the last two years. So he, he's been putting himself in a position to make those plays on special teams and have that transition over to defense, which is, uh, you know, certainly it's a different ball game, but at the same time, you know, we see the playmaking making ability is there. So check out the column. Again, this will be a position battle among many to watch uh, throughout the course of the summer and the fall. And in the meantime, I think a benefit of their schedule, you know, you open with Akron, Pitt comes to town the next week, and then Georgia State will follow them, is that you've got an opportunity, you know, say things are still deadlocked, again, supposedly, from all that we've heard, through the end of the summer, you've got a couple of weeks to really figure things out and afford guys different reps, because let, let's be honest, Akron and Georgia State don't scare anybody, let alone a projected top five team. Yeah, no doubt, and I and I think even further as you get into the schedule, I mean, there's a great chance to get, for some guys to get their feet wet, not only at safety, uh, you know, on that offensive line, uh, other other places that, that we'll no doubt get into in the next couple of weeks or months or whatnot but yeah it's a good opportunity to sort of ease into things you know Penn State with the way they score points uh, is going to have a lot of defensive plays this year and you're going to probably see a lot of those uh, that two deep and I think that maybe not as important as the starter but you've got two and two that you can work with now and I think they'll be okay in that in that area and it's because too the the way Penn State sets up its defense the the free and strong safety really is just determining where they set up pre-snap are you in the field are you in the boundary otherwise the responsibilities are almost interchangeable so that's why you've got four guys they're not split up into two and two um, as much as Scott and Aaron Monroe were listed behind Malik Golden last year so you know, we mentioned Akron. They start with them on September 2nd. This week has been Akron week is throughout the offseason. You know, we got to keep the website fresh, and that meets breaking down every opponent. And it's been a nice glimpse, too, because, you know, these will be things that we can fall back on when eventually Akron week, real Akron week, uh, does crop up. But this is a team five and seven a year ago, you know, wrote about many times this week and even a couple of weeks ago. They got hit badly by injury. And they're not returning a whole lot to either side of the ball. But this is a team coached by Tommy Bowden. Um, who, who many people know if you've been following college football for a long time, that could bring some toughness. And again, anything can happen in a season opener. But I think what plays big time into their favor is that they're really hurting a defensive end and corner and at wide receiver. When you look at the positions opposite who might line up on those spots for Penn State, they've got a huge advantage, you know, even forgetting that they're trying to return a lot of bodies there that they're going to miss from last season. That's a tough spot to be thin at when you run up against Penn State. Yeah. No doubt. So I, I think it'll be a good game again, you know, Keep following and seeing what we've got going on the site. But when you look at Akron, I mean, we had some early guesses. Again, it's very much May. But in terms of you had to put a line out there now for Penn State Akron week one, what would you say? Oh, wow. Um, You know, you mentioned the the Bowden teams are always tough. But this Penn State team has shown that they can score points. So that's going to be probably a a four-touchdown, five-touchdown line right now. I went minus 29, and this was just loosely kind of on our boards and thinking along the same lines, is that they've lost a lot at receiver. They might have a converted quarterback who will lead the way there, um, Trevon Chapman. But I think, again, you know, even if Penn State turning a little bit in the secondary, not necessarily in terms of depth, but that top line, you know, starter with the loss of John Reed, that they're going to be able to cover them, and it'll be tough for them to generate points. Um, Akron's defense is a little bit stronger up the middle than they're probably giving credit for because they, had, again, had a lot of injuries last year. But you're still looking at a minus 28, 29 um, 
you know, line there in favor of Penn State. So it's not really a continuation of the, the spring game because, of course, this one will count. Everyone's going to be out there. It's going to be competitive. But as we mentioned, you, you can enjoy the benefit of deploying multiple guys and rotating them in, as we even saw last year against Kent State in yeah. the offensive line. Yeah, Kent State gave them a, a unique test in that it, it came a, you know it came against some guys that were getting their feet wet at different positions. You remember Brandon Mann was not great in that Kent State game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, these MAC teams give you a test. They give you a live defense to go against. Akron, not the best, obviously, the yeah. in, in the conference. But uh, it's going to give them an opportunity to get their feet wet. Uh, you maybe see a little bit more of, from a rotation standpoint at some of the skill position. Um, uh, the, some of those skill position battles will kind of work themselves out by then. So it, it's, it's going to be a great opportunity to sort of uh, get started and roll into that week two uh, against Pitt. Right. Pitt's going to be most anticipated game, I think, outside of Ohio State, at least early on. Michigan, obviously, going to be big in some of the later ones. But, you know, given how last year went, Pitt's on the schedule. Before we get to any of that, though, um, recruiting never ends. You're on top of that as much and as better as anyone else out there. Uh, big junior day coming up. Yeah, big weekend for Penn State football playing off Penn State baseball. Uh, it's a great relationship uh, between the, the coaches there. And, and James Franklin has has brought his football guys in. Going to do an autograph session, which is obviously Always popular with Penn State fans, but uh, bringing a bunch of recruits up for that as well on Saturday. Uh, the game's at 11. Um, they're going to get in there, show them a little bit, have a mini junior day. And, you know, I kind of, they, they've got some guys that are high priority targets. They're going to mm-hmm. make the trip. Uh, PJ Mustafer, um, defensive tackle from around Baltimore. Mustafer, obviously a fun, familiar name. His brother Sam's a starting center at Notre Dame, but Penn State making a run here. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's not out of the question that he would end up in the class. They were the second offer, I believe, back when he was a sophomore. So, uh, Penn State's always been sort of a constant with him. You see Notre Dame leading the crystal ball. Uh, but at the same time, I think Penn State ha- has a real opportunity to make a run. They've got some connections there. Uh, Will Flaherty, who's a director of player personnel guy, um, you know, he coached Sam at Good Counsel. Kenny Sanders went to uh, McDonough School, which is where Mustafa went. So mm-hmm. connection's all about. He's He's been on campus several times. I think if anybody's going to make a run at Notre Dame, I think it's going to be Penn State or Tennessee. And, and you see that, uh, you know, this is his second visit this spring. They're going to have another opportunity to sell him. And, and is, anytime you're closer to home, you've got a shot. Um, a guy that's really risen throughout the last couple of weeks, Jason Owe from, from Blair Academy in North Jersey. Uh, unsurprisingly, Notre Dame and Ohio, excuse me, Ohio State offered this week. So, um, you know, he's really taken that jump from sort of a raw regional guy, just one year of football in, to a national recruit. So uh, Penn State is in early. Uh, his coach played at East Stroudsburg. His career's overlapped with James Franklin. So got an opportunity there. Uh, third guy to highlight, Christian Armstrong. Um, just surprised me, you know, just from a fact that this is a four-star kid from Atlanta uh, making his second trip to Penn State this spring. So anytime you can get a guy like that back on campus, I think it's a huge deal. Um, you know, Florida State's there. Georgia's there. Um, I think we're starting to get into the, uh, the the time of the cycle when other places may fill up, may, maybe not a priority target for Florida State or, you know, Georgia, you you think an in-state kid would be a little bit different, but uh, they've recruited as well as well. So Penn State getting him on campus for the second time this spring, I think that's a huge deal. Um, big kid, 11-inch hands, which uh, I, I nerd out on these measurements. Uh, yeah, go for but, it. But <laughs> 11-inch uh, hands you don't see very often. Uh, Antonio Alfano's a 2019 kid that's got it. Uh, Micah Parsons is close, but when you've got these big old mitts, uh, you've got that growth potential that, that, that Franklin and these guys love. Um, you're going to find yourself working your way up the board. So Christian Armstrong, in terms of um, being a dark horse in his recruitment, I think Penn State's got a shot there because they are the lone northern team on the list, and he's got a very good relationship with uh, with Penn State's coaches. 
Um, yeah, other than that, uh, you got a, got a nice little list going on on the site. Um, you know, Nick Tarburton is going to come up. He's another commit that uh, we've talked about. And we've actually got a uh, question from the board this week where we were asked about our most underrated recruits. And, uh, you know, I think there's, there's a lot to go with right there. Tarburton could obviously make that uh, argument, even though he's, he's highly rated some other places we have him as a high three star, but, um, you know, what do you think, Andrew, in terms of uh, an underrated guy from the, from the start that could maybe work his way up in the next couple of weeks, months, and uh, even year? Well, I think it's someone that we've already seen make a significant leap, and his name has been, you know, in the news recently because of other outside pursuits, is Jesse Lukita. You know, I got to speak with him a couple of months ago. Terrific interview. Doesn't say anything about your ability to play football. But when you look at his film and his ability to play football, he's just got some skills that, you know, you hear it all the time, you just can't teach. Like, incredibly fluid hips. He hits well as a converted safety that moved down to linebacker a year ago so he's still learning the position 6'3 225 you know again remarkable athleticism so he can work in space chase plays down from behind cover well and of course get after the quarterback and he's just a great kid so I think that that helps your program at a number of levels his offer number has soared above 30 you're seeing uh, places like Auburn Michigan State jump in late um, you know people across the Big Ten SEC as well so he's a guy who's received a ton of attention lately from River Meyer Ohio State you know locked into committed to Penn State and I think right now we've got him you know in the composite at, at 326 I think that's going to soar you know up into the 100s uh, as we come up later again don't have anything to do with that formula but just looking at his potential and then how that should translate in his senior season I have a hard time seeing this kid stay down as a three-star around that 326 range yeah and he's a four-star on three side uh three networks um yeah there's there's one kind of holding that composite down that we <laughs> we talk about on the board at times but uh, <laughs> yeah uh Luke Heed is a, a a smart kid in terms of uh you know, of playing the position, but also he's a class leader. And I think that that's something that, uh, you know, you love to have in this class. He's, he's, he's the people's champ. I said yeah. on the board last week, yep, he's yep. a guy that's, uh, really takes initiative in terms of recruiting these other guys. Um, he's working on getting not only guys that are, uh, you know, already committed to Penn state, but, uh, they're trying to get him on board and, and he's Canadian. So he's naturally polite. So. Oh yes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, funny story about Jesse. The other night I, I tweeted something about, uh, Randy Savage, obviously macho man, yep, um, yep. told me he had no idea who he was. So, <laughs> I told him I was taking all his stars away for not knowing <laughs> that. Uh, no, he had a pretty good laugh about that. But, uh, yeah, he's just a, a great kid. I think he's going to be an asset to Penn State. And, you know, he can play inside, play outside. He's got that big body. He's, he, he's naturally a safety that's sort of moved in. Concerns about his long speed. He hasn't run very well in, in, in that uh, sort of 40-yard dash uh, arena camps or Penn State's camp even. So there's questions about that. But, you know, physically I think he'll be all right. I look at another linebacker. I like Charlie Catcher. Um, mm. This is a guy that uh, even before Penn State offered, I sort of penciled into the class just because he's that type of kid. Um, you know, everything you look for in a Penn State linebacker, he's got it, and he's, he's a phenomenal football player. Uh, may not test um, off the charts or anything like that, but, you know, he's legit 6'3". He's right around 200 pounds. He just had the shoulder, uh, excuse me, the shoulder surgery um, that uh, knocked him out of winter sports, but uh, should be back and ready to go as a senior. Uh, I love his game. He's a safety. He's a receiver. He's a linebacker. He he kind of does a little bit of everything. Um, you know, a lot of people think that you know he he's right there with Micah Parsons in terms of the best football players in the mid pen. And wow, yeah, when they went when they went head to head this year, it was it was fun to watch. And uh, you know, there was a couple uh, couple different calls that went one way and in the other. But uh, in the end, uh, catcher I think got him when 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 they played Central Dolphin, and then Harrisburg uh, got him later in the district playoffs. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, Charlie Catcher is a kid that I love. I think he's got long term potential. We we. 
I think we have him as the the second lowest recruit, or excuse me, the second lowest rated guy in the class. Yeah. According to the composite, but it's a guy that can be a two, three year starter for you. And these are all very fluid, of course, given the stage of the cycle that we're at in the season. That's still the upcome uh, for them. He's. Uh, only ahead of Bryce Effner, who recently signed, but is another guy who you look at his frame in terms of what you would want from a Penn State linebacker, lineman, Effner coming in at 6'5", uh, 275, and the addition that they've had there. Just brief thoughts on what he'll bring, because now he's the, the third tackle, I believe, in the class and everything that he could be, you know, even as a guy who right now is the lowest-rated recruit in a second-rated class. Yeah, I guess he, he did commit since our last podcast, so we, we do have to break him down here. But yeah, that's 6'5", 275. is actually a little underreported, about 6'5 and a half, 286. 286. Uh, big guy, long arms, uh, another growth potential type guy, uh, can play tackle, can play guard, uh, can even play center. I think he's a guy that could probably play four or five positions up front. And uh, I think that's really what they like about him. He, he adds value to the class as a swing guy. He adds value to a class that needs offensive tackles. So, you know, if you strike out on a guy like Rasheed Walker or TJ Bradley or Christian Armstrong, who we mm-hmm. talked about earlier, Efner is a guy that you could plug in, play right tackle, and I think he'll be fine. Uh, you look at his tape. There's a lot to like. It, you can see why he's not, you know, a four-star bona fide guy. There are some holes in his games, but keeps his feet moving, stays very active, stays balanced, keeps his, his hips underneath of him. Um, you know, I know some guys in, out in the Midwest that really like him, that think he's the best uh, tackle in, in, in Illinois, which which when you go back to his recruitment, it's very very surprising that he did not have an Illinois yeah. offer, did not have a Northwestern offer. So that sort of raises some eyebrows. But you look at the tape, uh, I, I think that there's there's holes to his game, but he's a fairly safe prospect. As a, he's sort of maybe like an Alex Gellerstead that they brought in a couple of years ago, has an athletic baseline, is a guy that can that was a tight end, a DN type guy that mm-hmm. has grown into an offensive tackle. So you've got opportunity there. He's a big body. Uh, you know, they got him in a March, saw him in person and offered him on the spot. So I think that's a, a, a that's saying something for Penn State. Another piece of news that passed since uh, we last convened here in the podcast, new recruiting calendar. Uh, we're going to have an early uh, signing day in December, a period of 72 hours where guys who feel like they're ready to commit can officially do so, send in an NLI. We asked James Franklin about this in the coach's caravan, and the essential comment was, you know, I don't think it's going to change a whole lot for Penn State. But, of course, you know, prior to this passing, his you know general commentary was that there are going to be some um, unforeseen and unintended consequences that are, that are going to unfold. Totally reasonable to expect. In that light, though, do you, do you agree entirely that things don't change so much for Penn State specifically, or what will be different now that kids can officially come on board in December? I don't think a ton will change. Um, I think that there will be guys who are always coming to Penn State, like um, you know, since since he committed, Zach Koontz has been all Penn State. Charlie mm-hmm. Catcher has been all Penn State. Um, guys that are definitely, you know, you look at them and you say that's a no brainer for Penn State, and I think those guys will sign in December, um, sort of get that stuff out of the way. Um, yeah, I think some unforeseen circumstances here, you know, I think this sort of puts the ball back into the coach's court. Um, you've got a guy that may be on the fence in December. You can tell him you don't have a spot for him in February. I mean, it, you can sort of hold these guys to the wall, uh, to, to, to sort of make a decision or to, uh, reshuffle your board. So mm-hmm. it's sort of like drafting after day one, you know, it used to be very different when you had uh, the first and second and maybe third rounds on one day. Now, after after the first round, you can reset your board, shuffle, think about some things. So I think that would be, you know, a similar uh, a similar way to go about things. So I think, uh, yeah, there there will be unintended unintended consequences. I don't think it'll change a whole lot. No. Just moving it back two months, but will it start uh, moving things back to before the season? That's going to be the question. And I think that 
a big thing that could come is, is the official visits. And I don't know if you touched on that before, but, uh, you know, if, if Penn State can get kids on campus before August 31st, which I think is the, um, is the deadline, uh, or depending on when, when classes come in, mm-hmm. if you can get kids on campus in the summer for official visits, I think it's going to help Penn State. I think it's going to help the kids a lot, especially the, the lower socioeconomical kids. Right, right. So specific to Penn State, not expecting much change. I think at a larger scale, very quickly, you know, when you look at this new 72-hour period, this is going to be right at the beginning of bowl season. So for programs that, you know, again, they shouldn't apply to the Lions anytime soon, but might be ushering in a new coach, an entire new staff, are getting ready for a bowl game perhaps without their coach who has gone on to a better, bigger, better program. This is just going to be mayhem, I have to assume, for the coaches who've got to divide their attention enough as it is between recruiting and prepping for your last final bowl game that could mean a lot of money and prestige for the program. And now you've got kids who could officially sign, and if they don't, I mean, you just are not going to get any sleep around there, which is the last concern because these guys don't yeah, sleep. Coaches as it don't is. sleep anyway, right? But you know, it's just going to be an insane three days here now that this, they can officially sign during that time period. And some places might not even have a head coach. Yeah, and there's uh, with recruiting, it's it's there's only it's only natural that there's a lot of you know butt kissing of seventeen year old kids going on in terms. Of, I mean, that's you know, the name su- of the game. Yeah, <laughs> sucking, yeah, that's basically what it is. But you're going to have to spread your time throughout there, and I, I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know how they do it now, but I, I don't know how they're going to do it uh, when that crunch, that little time crunch comes in. So, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll have the opportunities to sort of sit down and, and balance that out. But yeah, it's a busy time of year. Um, most teams, you know, going to bowls since there's 47 of them now or whatnot. Yes. But uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they balance that all out. Tim, uh, participation trophy uh, era and uh, generation as we hear so often. Now, moving back to the actual team, another uh, reader wants to know about expectations for the defensive line this season. I think there's probably some angst in that. You know, a lot of what we heard this spring is that guys who are projected as starters pretty much stayed there from, you know, the middle of March all the way through the blue-white game. There isn't much news. Shreve Miller should be there along with Torrance Brown at end. Lots of depth at defensive tackle. I think, you know, the best version of this defensive line will include Shane Simmons and Chaka Tony being able to contribute primarily on, um, you know, third down, obvious passing situations. So I think you're looking at a line that could produce the same amount of pressure uh, as a year ago, but what you're really looking for is even higher amounts of pass rush in those obvious passing situations than you did have a year ago, because we know ultimately that's what the Rose Bowl came down to in stopping Sam Darnold in, in USC, but you know, go to third down for a second, say Simmons or even just one of Simmons and, and Tony can perform on third down, then you throw in Ryan Buckholtz and Kevin Gibbons in the interior, and, and you've got, you know, four or five guys can really get after the passer. Yeah, a year ago, there was a lot of concern uh, just all the way across there, replacing Johnson and Nassib and and, and Zettel. Uh, Now you've got bodies, you've got experienced bodies where, you know, guys that maybe like Sharif Miller played a good bit last year, not a ton, but a good bit. Um, And I think that early on, they're probably going to miss a little bit of that consistency from Sickles and Schwan. But at the same time, you've got some explosion off the edge. You've got Miller. You've got those two guys that you've mentioned. Um, you know, Torrance Brown has gotten to the quarterback at times and, and, and really, you know, has defended that jet sweep as well as anybody. And I think in, in week two with Quadri Henderson there, you're going to, you're going to see that a lot. So, uh, I, I think they'll be okay. Um, with, with the defensive line, um, uh, moving inside Parker and Curtis, uh, just two big bodies, experienced bodies. You've got five defensive tackles that you're going to get, uh, get into the game. Mm-hmm. You know, once Javis gets back, he was, I believe, on crutches at the Blue White game. So yes. you're going to have an opportunity for those guys to, to, to stay fresh, to get in the game, to, to, to sort of even out their reps a little bit. But at the same time, the production, I don't think, is going to drop off all that much. And speaking of that defensive line, our last question here for the new mailbag segment of uh, the Lions 24-7 podcast is I had someone write in and ask, you know, if you could take one player 
from another Big Ten roster and add him to Penn State in order to, you know, maximally improve the team, um, you know, who would you pick? And, and for me, this would have been a much easier question if you were doing this midseason last year or, you know, perhaps uh, when, when Ohio State was still loaded as it was in that secondary. You know, look, look at Malik Hooker, Marshawn Lattimore, Gary Conley, of course, all those guys are currently in the NFL. But I still went with a Buckeye and, and Taekwon Lewis, you know, reigning Big Ten defensive lineman of the year. I think seven and a half sacks a year ago, guy who can play inside and outside, just gives you added depth there. Because when you look at the Lions secondary, again, you'd love to add a shutdown cornerback with the absence of John Reed. But I think in this scenario right now, you can't afford to just replace a body with someone you expected to have there. I think you got to accentuate your strengths in this total fantasy hypothetical, and that would be adding to a pass rush, a really deep group that you have now that becomes you know so potent to the point where opponents just say, "Listen, we can't work to completely stop these guys. It's just a matter of containing them." Whereas right now, you know, again, you add a corner, they've got decent depth there in the secondary, but a guy like Taekwon Lewis who can affect the run and the pass at an elite level and then afford you the rotation that they desire. I mean, I think there's there's no one else in the Big Ten. If, you know, in this fantasy, Penn State gets that one player from the conference, I, I think you got to go with him. Yeah, and I think the good part about doing this hypothetical is you look at the, the holes on Penn State's roster, and there's there's not a ton. Uh, you know, you, you'd love to add a safety. You'd love to add a, another linebacker to the mix or, or something like that. But, yeah, I think Lewis is the guy. When you talk about a production off the edge, there's question marks there with Brown and Miller. Uh, not that they can't be good players, but uh, you know you, you haven't seen it from a consistency level that you've seen with Lewis. So yeah, I think Lewis is the obvious guy. Um, offensively, do you want to change anything up? I, I I don't think I don't think there's a ton that you can go to. Maybe a right tackle or something like that. But yeah, it's uh, it's definitely uh, Lewis is is the no brainer there. All right. So this has been fun. First mailbag segment, good mix of uh, some recruiting stuff, current roster questions, and then just pure fun. Um, so I, I'd like to first pat our, our readers on the back for those questions and also us for making it through the, the Brett Favre episode of the Lions 24-7 podcast. Yeah, I almost retired twice. <laughs> well, at least you stayed with the same team. We, we were told when we started that bad jokes were a, uh, a staple of Penn State football podcasts, so I think we're catching up there. Yeah, and I think that's why people read us anyway. I mean, forget the recruiting info or any X and O stuff. I think it's just because of our, you know... Uh, fluctuating sense of humor and charming personalities yeah. yeah yeah as we said i think in the first podcast the best looking penn state talk you'll find uh, anywhere in the beat no doubt uh we are still on itunes uh, lines 24 7 podcast which you're probably listening on there uh, give us a great rating um don't even listen just give us the rating it's great um but uh yeah it's uh it's been great and we'll see you next week yeah sounds good